Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, uh, we're going to get together and look into the Word of God and open up the book of Hebrews a little bit and uh, talk about present tense faith. And, uh, you know, it's important for us, it's one thing, I should say, to live in the past, and it's another thing to live uh, in the present. Uh, And we need to be, and then we also have that opportunity to dream for the future and look towards the future as well. But you have to be willing to live for today as well. Uh, We've been called to live our faith in Christ in the present tense. It's not something that we do tomorrow. It's not something we do the next day. I don't know about you, but I know growing up as a child and grew up in church and didn't give my life to Christ until I got out of high school, I thought, you know what, I'm I'm not going to step across that threshold of faith until I get old, like when I get 35 or something. And 35 is a couple years back now, and I realize how important it was that I did give my life to the Lord earlier on. And so, yes, life is worth living now, right? And, uh, you know, there's several things that we're going to look at here, and here's something that we should each remember, uh, that Christianity is uh, about what God has done in the past, it's about what He is doing now, and also what God will do in the future. So we understand that it's not something just from yesterday, but it includes today and it includes tomorrow as well. And uh, you may ask, well, how does that really relate to me? Well, it relates to each and every one of us because we want to live out our faith uh, every day. It's about uh, what you were, it's about what you are now, and it's what you will be in the future. I think we kind of get a a good example of uh, the perspective of what it's like for somebody who has come from a place that was without faith and they came to faith and then started serving the Lord. And really that comes from that original song called Amazing Grace. The original song, I know there's some other versions with it, but, but it was published back in the year 1779 by John Newton, and John Newton went to sea as a young, at a young age, and he worked on slave ships in the slave trade for several years. And in 1745, he himself became a slave of Princess Peggy. So he became a slave, and then he was rescued. He returned to sea and trade and became captain, captain of several slave ships. And after retiring from active seafaring, he continued to invest in slave trade. It it was a thing that he was engaged in, but, but he had stooped to the level of buying and selling human beings that God created in his own image. A sad thing. And he knew he was a mess. He realized that. In fact, he penned the words that said, that saved a wretch like me. He felt hopeless because of his life choices and what he had experienced. And then at one point, he came to his senses and he turned to trust in Christ. This man who had done the unimaginable had turned to trust in the Lord. And then he goes on in that very song and he says this. He says, I once was lost and now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. 
He didn't get it. He didn't see it back in that time. He didn't understand. But at one point, the Lord engaged his life, and he come to faith, and he turned to trust in Christ. And he set those things aside. Now, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews together in chapter 3. And the writer of Hebrews really looks at three tenses of Christianity. He, he quotes from Psalm 95, verse 7, where he says this. He says, today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he said this really to try to motivate these Hebrew Christians, uh, to, they were followers of Jesus, to live for today in light of the lessons that they learned from the past. And then to be able to look toward the promises of our future. And so the first thing, we're going to look at three things here, and the first thing is to learn from the past. We all have to learn from the past. And look at what he says there in Hebrews 3, verse 7. And it says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years saw, and for 40 years saw what I did. Verse 10, he says, that is why I was angry with that generation, and I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not uh, known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So he has a, a really strong indictment to them. There in the Old Testament, when Moses was bringing them out uh, of, uh, of uh, captivity, he brings them out, and he brings them uh, to a place to where they can then go into the promised land. They haven't yet. And here God has done some wonderful miracles for them. And really, those believers, like all of us, came to Christ out of a past. When we look at those that, that the book of Hebrews is writing to, there is a past. We know that a past can be a hard thing to, to shake, it can be a hard thing to handle. And it's something that you're always trying to either give up or to live down. So for most of us, our past is the past, and it's something that we set aside, and especially uh, when we're thinking about who we were before we came to faith in Jesus. And the, the good thing is, is that if we're in Christ, then the past is under his blood. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Amen. And we can be thankful for that. So it's under the blood. That means we're, we've been forgiven. And if, we've, if, uh, if, if we have given it to God and turned to Christ and turned away from our sin, he's put us in that place. And so we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ. So one man said uh, to a friend, he said, say, you, you look depressed. What are you thinking about? And he says, my future. Uh, and that was his quick answer. And it, what makes you so hopeless? He says, my past. But, but you have to be careful not to let your past pull you down uh, from what God has for you in the future and even for now in your lives. Some are proud of their past, but most are prisoners to them. For others, the past is really a great heritage of faith and and the good things that God has done. And, and that's great. It's a great blessing when people are able to see their past as a heritage, as a good thing that God has done. And that's, that's so important for us. It's something that we can pass on. 
But many times when believers think of the past, they remember the old way of life that really had imprisoned them. And that's what the people of Israel faced with so many times, especially when God had pulled them out of Egypt and was trying to bring them into the promised land. They were so focused on that, it was hard to get away from that mentality. And people know that they've been forgiven, yet they've not let go of the old way of thinking. It's that, it's that part of us where we've got to continue to be transformed in how we think about things, how we view things. And it can be like, a little bit like the alcoholic who has quit drinking, and uh, yet they've not changed their way of thinking. They still, have, they still live in that old pattern of destructive thinking and destructive living. They've got to make some adjustments, and that's just part of it. But Christ has called us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's one reason why we're here. Fellowship. And uh, let some transformation take in the way we view and we think about things in our lives. I like what the Apostle Paul said over in Philippians chapter 3, verses 14, 13 and 14. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has something in front of you. He has something in front of you. Don't let your past stop you from moving on, but learn from your past and be willing to make those adjustments that the Lord would have you to so that you can move towards what he wants to do in your life. But it starts today, right? It does start today for us. The only proper way to deal with the past is to learn from it, and you can try to live in the past, or you can try to run from the past, but you seldom totally uh, block that past out of your mind. And so for some, when you go back to the recesses of your mind and you remember the way you used to live, you need to be able to learn from it. Learn from it, and then move forward. And, see, and you see where you went wrong, you see where you chose wrong, and you move forward with that understanding. You can't camp there, otherwise it will discourage you and pull you back from what God has for you in your lives. Because God has good things for each and every one of us. And since we can't totally forget the past, we have to be able to learn from it and let it go. Let it go to the side. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews is still telling us to do. Uh, he's basically saying, you are your father's sons. What he was telling these Hebrew believers, these were, these were Jewish believers who had come to faith in the Messiah. And they, they seem to have, if you read through the book of Hebrews, they were having a hard time with it and considering going back. And he was trying to say, don't do that. Go forward with me. Continue to walk with me. And so we, we just don't want to go back and repeat our father's sins. That's kind of what he's saying. Don't go back and do that. Don't go back and live that way. So, you know, your, your parent may have been a, a drug addict or an abuser or some other situation in their life. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that you have to follow in their footsteps if they lived in that kind of fashion. It doesn't mean that you have to repeat those same old type of mistakes. And too many times people come out of their families that are dysfunctional. And I would dare to say 
that if every family admitted it, there's going to be dysfunction in about every family. Uh, right? There's always, because there's no family that's perfect. Why? Because we're all humans and we all make our own mistakes. And so there's always that little bit of dysfunction there. And so, uh, so we, we, uh, sometimes people think because of that that they can't pull out of that and to move forward. But the fact is, is they can. They can, and it will take some determination. It will take some help from our Lord as, as we look to the Lord and allow Him to work in our lives, and they can pull out of it. If you look back in the Old Testament, and you see in the book of the Kings and and Samuel and, and such, and Chronicles as well. You, you look in there and you, you see all of these kings of the people of Israel. And there, there were so many of them where their sons took over leadership. If somebody didn't knock them off uh, and the son was still around, then the son got to take over the, the, the leadership of the country at that time. And most of them did what their dads did. Uh, many of them continued in their, the sin of their fathers, and the sons couldn't really blame that on their dads, though, right? Because they made their own decisions, and the Word of God was still available for them uh, to know how to do what was right. Uh, and so these sons were the ones who made the choice to serve God or not to serve Him. And so they too made a decision to follow the way of the Lord. There were others that did that, right? There were other kings that were good, and they said, you know what, I'm going to follow the Lord. I don't care what my dad did. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to serve him faithfully. And there were those that stepped out and did that, and it blessed God's people. It blessed the nation of Israel. And they made that decision to follow through. And like the sons who choose to turn another direction and to serve God, you too can choose to follow God's direction. You can follow His direction and His plan. We have to learn from the past. We have to learn from our mistakes. And we can all probably sit here and start talking about some of the mistakes we've made in life and in reality and how we've learned from them. And there's probably times that we could sit here and say, yeah, this happened in my situation, and I'm not sure what to think about it. Well, we need to learn as much as we can and grow in the Lord. The second thing here that we need to look at is look for God's promises. Look for His promises, because His promises for us as His people are there and they're available. It, it is interesting what He says here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, Verse 9, it says, during, during, the time, uh, during the time of the testing, I think I should have said three, during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years you saw what I did. The point is, is they saw what God did. It should have been chapter 3. They saw what God did. God was working there, and what did God do? If you, if you think back to where God was pulling the people of Israel out of out of Egypt, what did he do? He did uh, many miracles to prove himself and to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to show myself strong for you. And we have to recognize that the people of God saw that, yet some still didn't trust him in that. But some did. And there, there's a sense in which Christianity is a reality of the future. 
So we need to look for God's promises. We understand that there's this reality of our future, and nothing is more basic to biblical Christianity than what we hope for after we pass from this life. And we realize that we live here for just a while. However much time the Lord gives us here on this earth, hey, that's a great gift that he gives us, but we just live here for a while. We spend time here, uh, and uh, uh, that time that we spend here and how we live and how we, if we trust him or not, does have a determination on the next life. It has a determination on our, on our eternity. And what you do with Christ is that determining factor. So in some sense, you live today, but there are some things that are so ever powerful in our future. The second coming of Christ, the heaven, hell, punishment, reward, all these things. There are, are these, uh, all these are reality that the scripture teaches us. And we understand this, the old saying, this world is not my home. We're only here for the time that we are, but then we move on to, to, uh, uh, to the eternal life. And, and in this sense, we don't live for today. In this sense, we don't. But actually, we live for tomorrow. We live for the eternal. We live with hope in the resurrection and the return of our Savior. And since we live for the future, the world's not our home. The reality here is that if you live, uh, give up Every possession on earth, you can still live. I mean, you know, if we don't have anything left because life surrounds who you are in Christ. I remember I was talking to my dad this, this week, last week, and, and uh, we were talking about uh, people being in needy situations. I remember that uh, I, I mentioned a situation when I was in East Africa. And I, I, had, uh, when it, I said, you know, when people think, think they don't have anything, uh, especially in America, well, we really don't always understand that because I know like when I went to East Africa, I remember going to a guy's house and the only thing they had was a mud hut that they had made themselves out of mud. And they really, had, they, I guess they did have, a, did have a little steel container that had a hole punched in it and it had a, a wick in it and they were able to get some kerosene. That was their light, that was their heat. That's really about all they had, and what they laid on was just a, uh, a flat, uh, a flat pe uh, piece of ground where they had dug out and made a mud house, and they laid on that. That's all they had. They had some clothes on their back, but that's about it. They didn't have much, and so sometimes, you know, we can get by without a lot of stuff and, and living this life, uh, and we don't always have to have all those possessions, but Followers of Christ live their lives expectantly, awaiting the, the fulfillment of God's promises, His hope, and the trust that we have. Those really, in some sense, are, are future tense. They're about future tense. And by them, we anticipate the promises of God working in our lives. And if we lose focus on the promises of God, then we've missed out on what Christianity is about. I like what, uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Uh, and then he goes, and so through him are the amen. So they're yes, the promises of God to us are yes and amen in Jesus. And what does amen mean? But let it be or so be it. 
And so what the promises of God, they're, they're available for us. And that's the hope and the trust. What that, uh, that's what hope and trust is about. We look forward to God's promises, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's the next day or even next year. But we hope and trust God for them. For the, for the believer, the past is forgiven and the present is empowered by what is to come, by the present of, and the powered by the Holy Spirit. And if you're in Christ, your past is more than just the past that has been forgiven. So you need to keep it under the blood. Keep it there. Don't keep pulling it up and thinking it over and over. Keep it from ruling your life. Let Christ rule your life. And that's a process as we walk through. We have to allow him to help us. And you have to be able to say to yourself at times, I'm not going that direction. Have you ever said that? Have you ever talked to yourself at one point? I'm not going that direction. You, you start thinking about something. No, I can't go that way. I'm going to turn and go the other direction. See, we have to be able to talk to ourselves like that. Yeah, I know. I know that some people say if you see somebody talking to themselves, you kind of you're wondering, you know. But sometimes, you may not say it out loud, but you may say it in your heart, I'm not going there. I'm not going to head that direction, but I'm going to follow the right direction. And the Bible shows us in Hebrews that our faith for the Lord uh, will be completed by a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest. And uh, we understand the Sabbath, which the Sabbath day is actually on Saturday. It's a starts in Friday evening and it goes into Saturday. And the Sabbath was all about resting. And it's a picture of what God did after he created everything. And he stepped back and he rested. And he says, you guys need to do that too. And so then, of course, then it was then through the law of Moses and it went on down through and they, they were supposed to take that time off. And then, of course, in Christianity, we understand when Jesus was risen, he was risen on the first of the week. And so we meet together on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. Uh, and I understand that, that's a lot of extra thing. But, but, but for us now, if you look into Hebrews in chapter four, verses one to three, this is what other writer says. He says, therefore... Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. See, it's on our part, it's up to us, not up to our dad or our mom or our neighbor or our friend or the person that's sitting beside us in church, but it's up to us to put our faith and our trust in Christ and what he has done for us. So we need to look to him in faith. And when we are trusting him in faith, we have the hope of a Sabbath rest. We have a hope to have a rest in our lives. And we, can, we find that, that. Where do we find that? We find that in Christ. We find that in him. The path of faith has an end of finished work, fulfilled hope, and realized destiny. God has a plan for us. It's a Sabbath rest. And every follower of Jesus is going to enjoy that nice spiritual rest once we meet the Lord. For sure. And we will face more peace there than ever. But even then, there is still a rest for us even today.
You know, noise affects us. I don't know how much you think about noise. Uh, uh, a lot of times we don't like to be around real noisy things, right? Uh, but noise affects human behavior, actually. And one experiment was carried out uh, where psychologists uh, had, uh, had students leaving a library. They had them intentionally drop a load of books out of their hands. And so when they did that near the quiet library, right, uh, they had about 50% of the bystanders would come by and they would help them pick those books up. But what they did is they said, okay, that's good, so let's see if it changes if there's too much noise. So then they took a lawnmower and they took the muffler off the thing, and those are horrible and ear-piercing, and they took that and they started it running by that same location and they dropped all those books again. And do you know it dropped down from 50% helping, helping to about 10% help. You know how it is, all that noise and everything, it just, sometimes life is that way too, right? All that noise is buzzing and, and it's hard to focus. In fact, they did another study over in Los Angeles uh, where, uh, you know, they have LAX and all those big airports there. And, and, uh, and they said uh, kids that lived near the, uh, near the airport had a much harder time actually doing their schoolwork than the kids that lived in the more quiet areas that weren't like that. That's, that's what the psychologists come up with. They said, look, that's what we found in their studies. And, and so we live sometimes in a noisy world, and I think it's important, important for us at times to be able to step back and relax a little bit. Step back and, like we do on Sunday, come back to church and, and step back and, and engage the Lord and worship the Lord, but also to refocus ourselves and then not let the old loud lawnmower without a muffler keep bugging us, Right? Sometimes we just need to be able to back off a little bit and allow God to work in our lives. We need to give him that space so he can work in us. So we, we need to be able to learn from the past. We need to look for God's promises. And finally, we need to live in the present. We have to live in the present. Here he says in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, he says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But eat, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence that we had at first. So on a daily basis, we need to be the kind of people that encourage one another, to encourage each other to move forward, to encourage one another to live out our faith on a, on a daily basis. Uh, Christianity really is it's a present tense, a here and now reality of what is. It's about now. Yes, it's about the future. Yes, there's some, there's some history as well, but it's about conviction and conduct, believing and, and living in response to the call of God in our lives. The writer of Hebrews calls us to live in faith and to encourage each other on a regular basis all while we have that opportunity. Because we may not always have that opportunity. 
Christianity is also a process as we follow Jesus. There's a work that he does in our life, and it's not a one-time thing. Yeah, there's a work here and a work there and a work there, and he's continuing to take us through a process as we're growing in faith. And there is a sense in which we're always becoming followers of Christ. We've been delivered, we're being delivered, and we will be delivered. That's a reality. That's, that's what the scripture teaches to us is it's not a one-time thing. He's done it for us in the past. He's doing that. He's saving us now. And that's what that word sozo in the Greek comes from. Uh, he's, he's saved us from the, in the past. He saved us from our past. He's saving us now and he will save us from judgment in the future when we put our faith in him. That's what salvation is about. It's that process. You know, History kind of repeats itself, doesn't it? Uh, the problem is it's because that nobody listens. Maybe we don't listen very well uh, when we see history or when we read history. We have to be able to listen to it. A wise preacher once responded to a, a bitter woman's resentful, resentful complaint with words that really get the idea of what Christianity, Christianity is about as a, a present tense reality and she was mad. She was mad at God over some things that had happened to her. And she protested like, I wish that I had never been born. I wish I had never been made. The preacher turns around and looks at her and says, wait a second. You're not, you haven't been made yet. You are being made. It's not a one-stop shop. It's not a one-thing time thing. It's God is still continually made. Yeah, you were born. We understand. But... That, that's the idea that we understand that God is still making us. He's still transforming us. And we need to allow him to continue to do that in our lives. Let him do that. Let him continue to make us. God is concerned about more than just what we have done for him in the past. He's concerned about what we have done, uh, what we are doing for him now. What are we doing for him now? You know, yesterday is past. And, you know, we could all say, oh, yeah, we've done this. And, and, you know, I'm probably one of the biggest, biggest villains on that one, right? I'll say, oh, yeah, this is what we've done. Or this is what we used to do or this or that. But the, but the reality is, is the fact is those things are good and that's fine. We should learn from that what went well, what went wrong, what we messed up, what we didn't, what God did and how he worked and all those kind of things. But yet on the other side, we need to be able to recognize that, we, that God wants us to live and serve him now. How and what are we doing now at this point in our walk of faith? What are we doing? Our past service to the Lord, really, it's our heritage, but we can't live on our past. We need to be able to live for him today. Today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. The writer doesn't really put it off till tomorrow, does he? Uh, there in the book of Hebrews, he doesn't shove it off until later on. There must be a willingness in our hearts to be able to listen to the Lord, which goes for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. It's not just about tomorrow. It's about the day that we're living today. And, y'all, we have hope for the future. Refusing to let us uh, rest on our success as God continually confronts us with, with uh, some moment of truth to which we must respond. In our response, 
we can d demonstrate our faithfulness to him. He's always engaging us, always challenging us, always reminding us that we have a job to do. We have a calling. And if you heard that message earlier, you understand we have a calling. They didn't know that I was going to speak on that part. But I tell you what, we all have a calling. We all have a responsibility. We all, we all have the joy of serving Christ today. It's not yesterday. Yes, we may have served Christ yesterday. Thank God for that. That's done. It's gone. It's sealed. It's in the hand of heaven. That's done. Where are we at today? What are we, how are we going to walk with him? Would you stand with me this morning? We believe, we follow, we obey. Uh, these are really present tense things, right? Uh, present tense, and uh, they are what we do between Egypt and our promised land, so to speak. Yeah, between redemption and our final rest. And today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. You have to learn to shake off your own past. Don't be a prisoner of your past. Don't let that rule you. Learn from it and move forward. Look forward to God's promises, whether it's, it's tomorrow or the next day or next year. Uh, look forward to God's work. Put your hope and your trust in God for those promises that he will work those in your life and live in the present. Our past service to the Lord is simply our heritage, but we can't live there. We need to live for him today. Live for that eternity that God has for you. He has some great things in store for us when we put our faith and we put our trust in him. Let me pray for you now, though, and then we'll sing this last worship song to the Lord as we worship him. Father, help us. Help us as we step out of this place not to live in yesterday. Help us not to live in what's happened in the past and the, those great things that you've done through us and the, those challenges that we have faced. Help us not to live back there. Help us, Lord, not to live only for the future. We know that there's promises. Of, the promises of God are yes and amen. We look forward to that. But, Father God, we know that you're asking us to live today. Help us to be able to walk out and live out our faith in a way that, Lord, that you say, hey, that's what I want. That's my kid. That, that they're starting to get it. They're getting an understanding what I'm saying. Help us to be able to be the kind of people that are willing to allow you to work through us. And not wait to do it tomorrow. Father, we yield our hearts to you this morning. So that we may do your will. And that we may walk out your plan.